0: I want to speak to you on a topic tonight. The topic is the garden plot of grace. Now, I'm not going to go into some of the gardens in the Bible that I could pick up, like the first one in Genesis. I think one a fellow by the name of Nebuchadnezzar built for some woman he loved, nor about a garden that's going to be sometime in the future talked about in the book of Revelation, but the thinking in my heart is tonight that I see the word over the world in the light of a garden, and I call it the garden plot of grace because most of us, with our abilities, have enough to do to handle one little plot in life rather than to think of a massive 150 acres that we can handle. And this is why I chose this particular topic on this wonderful occasion tonight. This morning, as the branch leaders of the state of Ohio were giving an exposé of the enthusiastic believing of their areas, I heard one of the branch leaders, Bill McNulty, from Cleveland, use the words, Motivation by Fear. Negative motivation is the basic ingredient in our culture. It sells products, it sells government, it sells religion. Motivation is a primary prerequisite to a successful success or to a successful failure. it's either the philanthropist or Mr. Scrooge. It's either humanitarian or criminal. Acts chapter 2 verse 38 has been an enigma since late in the first century of Christianity. On the opening day of the church of the body to which you and I belong, Peter having spoken those tremendous words, as he shared with them the greatness of God's word, the people had said, Men and brethren, what shall we do about all this? And Peter said in verse 38, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the remission of sins, and ye shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost." This verse of scripture has really been an enigma since the early days of Christianity. Why? Because of the teaching. The erroneous teaching of it. For instance, the word repent has been taught to mean confession of sin. If you don't confess, you're going to go to hell. And therefore, they have just bred fear into people, and people got saved because they were afraid to go to hell, I guess. I think of the confessional. As a hard board of correction, whipping fear into people's lives if they don't do so and so. In contrast, Romans chapter 2 makes a singularly significant statement in the latter part of that verse knowing that the goodness of God leadeth thee to what? Repentance. Then repentance is not a confession of sin. You don't repent to avoid hell. (laughs) You, you, You don't preach hellfire and brimstone and get people saved. It's the goodness of God that brings men to what? Leads men to what? repentance, and when people again see how good God really is, that he's not a fire escape from hell, but it gives you an enrichment and a joy, an effervescence, a glow in light that makes life worth living, then we can change the motivation for our life. Also, you'll remember we read in Acts, Repent and be what? Baptized. Perhaps the reason there's so much water in the world is so that we could so erroneously utilize this scripture. Because the teaching has been that unless you get water baptized, you have no proof out here that people can see you're a real Christian. And so we kill each other over the amount of water we like. That's right. Historically, those people who are today called Baptists started out, I think, as Anabaptists, and they were hunted down and persecuted and killed because they did not believe in a certain mode of baptism. They believed in something else. What a great Christianity that kind of stuff must be. You see, the motivation has been fear. Motivate people to be Christian because of fear. Because if you don't confess your sin, you're going to go to hell. If you don't get baptized in water the right way, you haven't got the real McCoy. Well, God knew that the world would build on fear. Therefore, he instituted repentance. And I'm going to give you a definition of repentance tonight which will fit every incident of the greatness of the body of the Church to which we belong. Repentance means... A mental change of principle, of motivation, due to positive action. I had at least seven different definitions of repentance that I'd picked up. Dictionaries, encyclopedias, theologians. There are basically seven that I know of but in essence they all say the same thing they just don't say it say enough this meaning of the word repentance that it's a mental change of principle of motivation you could be mentally motivated by fear right now True repentance, or the only definition of repentance, which is truth, is that it's a mental change, a motivation, due to positive action, not negative. The goodness of God does what? Leads us to repentance. That is positive action. Now to show you this from God's word tonight, and the greatness of it, we have to first begin to see where the natural man's basic condition resides. And we go to 1 Corinthians chapter 2. This passage of scripture is familiar to all of you who have taken the foundational class because there I set it before you in all of its greatness and all of its truth as I understand it. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God, for they are what unto him? Foolishness unto him. Then it says, Neither can he know them, because they are what? Right. The natural man under no condition can receive the things of the Spirit of God. As a matter of fact, to the natural man the things of the Spirit of God are always foolishness, because the natural man is limited to the information he gathers via the five senses. And via the five senses the natural man cannot know spirit, because spirit's spirit, soup is soup, apple butter is apple butter, and peanuts are not Cracker Jack. (laughs) They don't even have many peanuts in Cracker Jack today anymore. (laughs) It was a lot better twenty years ago, I guess. So you see, in order to understand spiritual things, you have to have spirit. Like the physical body is fed on physical food. You can feed the physical body on mashed potatoes and gravy and horseradish and onions good for you physically, degrade you socially, but uh, garlic is worse. Uh, But what are you going to feed the spirit? You can't feed the spirit mashed potatoes and gravy. This word of God is not spirit in here. This is in the census realm. That is why a, a man could memorize everything from Genesis 1-1 to Revelation twenty two twenty one, and not believe one word of it. Why? Because it's in the census realm. This is not spirit food. This is head food. <laughs> and man's mind is part of the natural man. That's why the natural man could quote you the scripture, quote you the whole thing, and not be spiritually alive. Spirit has to be fed by a spirit. And the word of God teaches there's only one way whereby you can feed that spiritual man in you, and that is by speaking in tongues in your private life. People want it, beautiful. If they don't want it, they're the losers. But it's sheer logic. There is no other way you could go. Now, the natural man's condition is of such a nature that he just cannot receive spiritual things. Therefore, he'll say, well, that's foolish. You want to go to a meeting every night? We heard the pattern this morning by the branch leaders. That wherever people are growing and moving with the efficacy of the power of God, they're meeting day after day after day, like the early church did, where it says they met daily, from house to house, breaking bread and in fellowship one with another. Now, the natural man would say, Man, you got the religious bug or something, you know, you're crazy. Well, if we are, then God's word's crazy, and if God's word's crazy, I'm sure we haven't got much else left, even in Watergate's not any better in the word. That's why we in the Way Ministry stake our believing upon the integrity and accuracy of God's word and what it says. The natural man receiveth not the things of the Spirit of God. So if the natural man out here laughs at you for your believing, for your manifestations that you operate, he can't help it. Don't criticize him, just get him born again. He can't understand. It's foolishness to him. Boy, I used to work on those fellows and I thought, man, they got to see this stuff. But then I didn't know the scripture. I knew it in my head, but I didn't utilize it. Didn't believe it. That's the gospel truth. Took me about 20 years to wake up. That's a long time for old Rip to be sleeping, you know. <laughs> Try. The natural man receiveth not the things their foolishness unto him. Neither can he know them. He cannot know them. He cannot. because spiritual things are discerned how spiritual it's so simple and it stands all the laws of logic take a look at ephesians chapter 2 look at this natural man in verse 1 even you who were dead in trespasses and sins the word and is the word even in the text. Even you who were dead in trespasses and sins, wherein in time past you walked according to the course of this word, according to the prince of the power of the air, the spirit that now worketh in the children of what disobedience, among whom also we all had our conversation in times past in the lusts of our flesh, fulfilling the desires, the wills of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath, even as others. The natural man is by nature a child of what? Wrath. We were children of the natural man, children of wrath. They can't help but to tear the things down that are truth of God's word, because he's still got the wrong daddy, because the natural man came into the world just body and soul. That's why he is dead in what? He's living physically, but he is dead spiritually. He has no connection. He's dead in trespasses and sins. All of God's blessings, people, are wrapped up in Jesus Christ, and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. That makes the difference. That makes the change. In Ephesians chapter 2, here, look at verse 13. But, see, all of God's blessings are wrapped up in Christ, and Christ is in you. Therefore, the word but, now, but now, right now, in Christ Jesus, ye who, were, who sometimes were far off are made nigh by the blood of whom? Christ. For he is our peace. He is our peace. You can never have peace without the Prince of Peace. Because the natural man is a child of wrath, he's going to utilize to the best of his ability what he knows, but all he knows is what he's gathered via the five senses, and that cannot be spiritual. Therefore, everything he institutes for peace has to terminate. It has no life in it. For it lacks that one great element that makes for peace, and that's Christ. In you the hope of glory. He is our what? He hath made both one, that is, Jew and Gentile, and hath broken down the middle wall of partition between Jew and Gentile, having abolished in his flesh the enmity, the law of commandments contained in ordinances for to make in himself of twain two, Jew and Gentile, one new man, <laughs> a new man, so making peace, and that he might reconcile both Jew and Gentile unto God in one body by the cross. Having slain the enmity thereby, or in himself with his death, and came and preached peace to you which were afar off, and to them that were what? Nigh. Gentiles and Jews. For through him we both, Jew and Gentile, have access by one Spirit unto the Father. Now therefore, now, right now, therefore, Ye are no more strangers and foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints, and of the household of what? Now, if you belong to a household, you have to have a daddy. That's just plain logic. The natural man is a child of the adversary by nature, because he is dead in trespasses and sins. Now when this person has Christ in them, the hope of glory, they spiritually have a new daddy and the spiritual always is above the natural. The natural laws are laws by God, they're great. Spiritual laws are laws by God also. The spiritual law does not abrogate the natural, it only supersedes. You live on a higher level, on a higher plane. Fellow citizens with the saints and of the household of what? God. God's household. God is our Father. We are His children. That makes the household. You see. I've taught you that Christianity is not a religion. Religion, There's a lot of religion in so-called Christianity today, but that's not God's fault. Religion is what man does. Christianity is what God wrought in Christ. Christianity is not a religion, it is the way, the truth, and the life. It is what God wrought in Christ. It's a father and his family. God is our father. We are his children. That puts us in the household of God. And this is why we are built upon the foundations of the apostle, foundation of the apostles and prophets. Jesus Christ Himself being the chief what? Right. That is apostolic succession. To walk in the revelation of the apostles and to apply the principles that they applied and the the efficacy of the word they utilized. That is a- apostolic succession. Otherwise, Peter's all petered out. See the other route. No trip. That's right. Built upon the foundation of what? The apostles. Then verse 21 says, in whom all the building fitly framed together groweth unto a holy temple in the Lord. Every individual believer in this body is a tabernacle. But the whole, all the bodies that we were talking about having the same care for make up The temple. Remember, the individual body of the individual believer is a tabernacle. The believers put together make up the temple. In whom ye also are built together for a habitation of God by way of or through the what spirit. You see, the spiritually dead man. He is mentally and subsequently religiously blinded. According to Second Timothy one seven, God has not given us the spirit of what? But of what? Power and of what? And of a sound mind. A sound mind. God has given a sound mind. Therefore, the spiritually dead man who is outside of Christ has to have an unsound mind, because all he has to go by uh, is the information he has acquired via the five senses, and that information is not trustworthy when it comes to spiritual things. And that is why, without the spirit in the category of the renewed mind that Bo Reard spoke about this afternoon, you have an insane mind. I didn't write the book. That's right. God doesn't give a spirit of fear. Well, then there must be somebody that gives it. But what he gives is power, love, and a what? Therefore, everybody outside of Christ has to have an unsound mind, and an unsound mind is an insane mind. Wow. Well, people, all you have to do is just check around in our culture. If you don't like this culture, go back 200 more years. I don't care you see the same truth. Now, the reason that people who have belonged to the household of God have continued to manifest an equally unsound mind is because they have never put up here what God, by his mercy and grace, put on the inside when it's Christ in you, the hope of glory. They have never been transformed by the renewing of, this, of your mind. Let this mind be in you, which was also in Christ Jesus. Put ye on the Lord Jesus Christ. Because when you're born again spiritually, it doesn't affect your mind. If you chew gum before you got born again, you'll most likely chew gum after you're born again. God doesn't take chewing gum away from you. Right. Like people say, well, God took smoking away from me. God didn't do a stupid thing like that. Right. God doesn't take anything away from you. He just gives you something, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. Now, if you want to give up your chewing tobacco, beautiful. Or your chewing gum. Even if Wrigley's doesn't like it. If you want to give it up, it's your privilege. Or red man doesn't like it. It's your privilege. But God didn't take it away. Yet, if you were taught that in order to be a Christian, in order to be saved, you had to give this up because it's a dirty, filthy trip or something, then before you got saved, what did you do? You gave it up. Because that's what you were taught. You can't go beyond what you're taught. The reason our culture is so enslaved and motivated by fear is because this is all we've ever been taught. If you don't brush with this, you've got 35% more cavities. If you don't do this, something like that will happen to you, one thing after another. I had Howard Allen spend $0.35 for a Columbus dispatch this afternoon. Just to mark the negatives on the front page. And then before I walked over, Father said, leave it in the motor coach. I haven't figured Father out, but I work for him. I just take orders. I don't bug him. That's right. Man, I thought I wanted to bring it in here to you tonight. It's just as hot as a firecracker. It's Columbus Dispatch. That's where we are, the capital of the great state of Ohio. And I just wanted to show you the great positives that are permeating every purchaser of the $0.35 product, it would blow your mind. What you read is what you send to your head. What you look at is what you send to your head. So whether you, you and I like it or whether we don't like it, we are the products of what we think. And you can't think beyond what you're taught. And the things you are taught, you read or you see or you hear. Isn't that something? You see, all the knowledge of the natural man has to come by the five senses. He is totally ruled and governed by those five senses and therefore his motivation is a motivation of fear. Now repentance (laughs) is a mental change of principle. So the natural man will always be motivated by fear. There is only one way up and out for the natural man. he has to begin to get a sound mind and that he does by applying certain basic principles that his mental his mental faculties may be changed in romans chapter 4 look at romans 4 verse 4 Now to him that worketh is the reward, not reckoned of grace, but of what? If you work for it, God owes it to you. If you work all week for an employer, he owes you something. Verse 5, But to him that worketh not, but believeth on him that justifieth the ungodly, the natural man, His believing is counted for what? Righteousness. You see? This grace is not a matter of debt. It's grace. Grace is unmerited favor to the natural man. It's unmerited. He did not work for it. If he'd worked for it, it'd be a debt. It's simply a believing that justifies the natural man, and his believing is set to his account for righteousness. In verse 25 of this chapter it says, talking about Jesus Christ our Lord, who was delivered for our offenses, for our sins, our trespasses, He was delivered for our trespasses and was raised again when we were justified, what the text says, was raised again when we were justified. Had he gotten up one minute after he was dead, he could not have justified us. (laughs) And I guarantee you that Jesus Christ was just as dead one minute after he died then he was dead 2 minutes after he died or 10 minutes or 20 minutes or 4 days he was just as dead then you have to answer a question why 3 days and 3 nights so you don't get deader may get stinkier but not deader that's right the reason is that god raised him when we were justified. And he fulfilled the whole law, and part of the requirement of the law was that no man could be legally pronounced dead except he was dead three days and three nights. He was delivered for our offenses. He who knew no sin became sin, that you and I might become the righteousness of God in him. Well, ladies and gentlemen, how righteous is that? Look at chapter 5, verse 1. Therefore, being justified by faith, the faith of Jesus Christ, we have what with God? Peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Being justified, we have peace. Now, if you have accepted the Prince of Peace, and it's Christ in you, the hope of glory, then spiritually you have peace. You put it on up in your mind, then you will walk the walk of peace. No animosity, no bitterness, no frustration. The tremendous walk. By whom, verse 2, Also, we have access by faith, or by believing. We have access by believing, not in believing. If they've used the preposition in instead of by, your Bible fall to pieces. We're not, we do not have access in believing, but by believing into this grace wherein we do what? stand. We don't knuckle under. We don't act emaciated. The grace wherein we what? Stand. Unmerited. But since God gave it to us, we have it. And who of us, as born-again believers, would want to call God a liar when it says, Christ in you, the hope of glory? People, we are what the Word of God says we are. We have what the Word of God says we have. We'll be what the Word of God says we'll be. For this word of God was given in the face of Jesus Christ, that you and I might be filled with all the fullness of God. Man, what a message we have to speak to our day and to our time. What a word we have to declare to the peoples not only of our country but of the whole world I want to read you something from the book of Romans tonight in the New English translation. I brought it up here because I, at this particular point, I think the New English has a very beautiful translation of Romans, chapter 5, verse 12. Mark what follows. It was through one man that sin entered the world, and through sin, death. And thus death pervaded the whole human race, insomuch as all men have sinned. Verse 15. But God's act of grace is out of all proportion to Adam's wrongdoing. For if the wrongdoing of of that one man brought death, Upon so many, its effect is vastly exceeded by the grace of God and the gift that came to so many by the grace of that one man, Jesus Christ. Isn't that beautiful? And again, the gift of God is not to be compared in its effect with that one man's sin. For the judicial action following upon the one offense issued in a verdict of condemnation, but the act of grace following upon so many misdeeds issued in a verdict of acquittal. For if, by the wrongdoing of that one man, Adam, death established its reign through a single sinner. Much more shall those who receive in far greater measure God's grace and His gift of righteousness live and reign through the one man, Jesus Christ. Wow! Isn't that fantastic? That's grace. There's only one way whereby the natural man can get all these goodies. (laughs) He can't receive it as a natural man, they're foolishness unto him, he must be born again. Born from above. That's what the words born again mean in John anyways, born from above, I know them, from on high. The first time I was born, I was the... Result or something of my daddy and mommy. Well, when I was born again, the second birth, I'm also the result or the product of my father who happens to be God. God is my spiritual father. Isn't that simple to understand? The natural man must be born from above. So that the spiritual law will take precedent over the natural law because by nature he is a child of who? Wrath. But when he's born again of God's spirit, he's a child of who? God. Then he belongs to the household of God. And when he's born again, he has Christ in him, the hope of glory, which is spirit. Now he again has a contact, a connection between God and God. And the spirit that God gives, Christ in you, the hope of glory. And you can walk and talk with him. It's beautiful. This is what Christianity is all about. The word says, Romans 10, 9. If thou wilt confess with thy mouth, what? The Lord Jesus. Jesus as Lord in your life. Heretofore, the natural man has confessed somebody else as Lord, you know. The natural man says, but he changes. He confesses with his mouth Jesus as Lord and believes in his heart, in the innermost part of his being, that God raised him from the dead, thou shalt be one. For with the heart, with the innermost part of man, he believes. Unto what? Righteousness. Man is not saved by works. He is saved by what? Yet believing his works. You believed to get here today and you did a little work to get here because I am sure you were not transported in the spiritual sense. All right. That is why believing is unto, what? That's why Romans 10.10 has to be used with Romans 10.9. Confess with your mouth, what? Jesus as Lord, and believe in your heart that God raised him, from what? Thou shalt be saved, for with the heart man believeth unto, Righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto what? That's right. That's what it says. That's what it means. You confess with your mouth Jesus as Lord. That's works. The moment you do that, God goes into operation, and that which He operates is by grace. You believe unto, but the work has to be a work of unmerited grace for you're born again of God's Spirit. God in Christ in you, the hope of glory. The first birth took you nine months to get here. The second birth is faster than you can blink an eyeball. The moment you say with your mouth, I believe in Jesus Christ as my Lord, I believe God raised him from the dead, thou shalt at that moment be what? That's faster than a nine-month trip, because the miracle is the miracle of the new birth, which is the greatest reality in the whole world. That God would so love us that in a moment we could be born again of God's Spirit, where we belong to the household of God, to pass from death unto life, never to come into condemnation and the wrath of God having no effect upon us, to be heaven-bound and all hell, impossible to stop us. I want to tell you, I'd have never done it for you. (laughs) I'd have never done it for myself. But praise God, God so loved that he gave his only begotten son. That's the only way the natural man's going to get in. You can't work your way in. You can't even pray your way in. You can't even confess your sins and get in, no matter how sinful they were. Because man is not saved by confession of sin, he is changed by confessing the Savior from sin, the Lord Jesus Christ. And from that moment on, the natural man is now a man of the household of God. He has the peace of God. He has the love of God, the joy of God, the righteousness, the redemption, the sanctification, the wisdom, that's all I can think of right now. But he's got a lot more. That's all I can think of. But that's pretty good. Imagine having the righteousness of God. Imagine being filled with all the fullness of God. Well, look at Ephesians 2. (laughs) Verse 4. This is again fantastic like the whole word is. But God, you see, by nature the children of wrath, we were there, right? earlier tonight but in contrast god who is rich in mercy for his great love wherewith he loved us even when we were dead in sins hath quickened us together quicken means made us alive together with christ by grace ye are saved and not only quickened us but hath raised us up together And made us sit. He didn't ask us if we wanted to. He said, man, sit down. (laughs) He made us to what? Sit. In heavenly places in Christ Jesus. Why? Verse 7. That in the ages to come, he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. And ladies and gentlemen, it's going to take ages to show it to us. But we got plenty of time. All right. We think this is good? Why, this is just like a drop of water in the Pacific Atlantic, Mediterranean, and all the rest of them that I can't think of. One drop. But it's still water, and it's good. But think of the ages when we're going to have all these privileges to be together, to enjoy one another. Life is too short to enjoy each other now. i just love to spend a whole month with each one of you. Wouldn't that be wonderful? Well, you're going to have to wait a little. Then we'll have ages to do it. Isn't that fantastic? For by grace are ye saved through faith, And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of who? Amen. It's God's gift. Not of works, lest any man should what? Right. For we are his workmanship. The first time I was born, I was the workmanship of my father and of my mother. When I was born again, I am the workmanship of my father, who is God. And what he wrought in his Son, Jesus Christ. We are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus, Jesus, unto what? Good works, which God hath before ordained that we should walk in. Class, each man must choose his motivating principle. We're surrounded with the negative in abundance. This is why you and I must declare God's goodness, which leads a man to what? Repentance. This is a day of grace. You and I have the privilege of living in this day in grace and holding forth the ineffable greatness of God's wonderful, matchless word. This type of repentance means a mental change of principle, of motivation due to a positive action. And that is why I chose the topic tonight, the garden plot of grace. It's not a garden plot of works. It is a garden plot of grace. The garden is, first of all, the individual, the natural man. The plot is that man that's all. Just It always has to start with you has to start with me. And that cultivation within myself, that is by grace. God gave it to me by grace. Now I renew my mind and manifest forth not a garden of weeds, but a garden that has the type of flowers, the type of fruit, the type of vegetable that I decide I want to see. You are the individual who decides what you want to do with your life. Each person has to make that decision. And everything starts with the individual. You cannot help your neighbor until you first do what? Help yourself. God so loved that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, for the natural man has no eternal life living with him. That we who confess with our mouth the Lord Jesus, and believe God raised him from the dead, we are saved. For with the heart man believes unto what? Righteousness and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Every man is a garden plot. And every man must make the decision whether his motivating principle is going to be fear or whether the motivating principle of his life is going to be the grace which God so freely bestowed. Many of us, have discovered that our garden plot has to be one of grace because the motivating principle of fear made us less and less and less than what we really wanted to be. But since we are born again of God's Spirit, we have begun to see the ineffable greatness of the principles that belong to us because we belong to him for we were created in Christ Jesus, we are God's workmanship, filled with all the fullness of God. Isn't that wonderful? Shall we pray? Heavenly Father, I thank you for the greatness of your word and your love. I thank you, Father, for the privilege of a teaching it again this night and for the health and strength to do it. I thank you for the open hearts that are here in this auditorium, who have been here this whole weekend or this day, rather, father. and we just love you and praise you for all of your goodness to us. I thank you for the outreach of the ministry around the world today. Thank you for international headquarters tonight, and for the ministry that stems out from there. Thank you for all the limbs of our nation, all the foreign countries. And Father, we just love you and praise you for all your goodness and your greatness and your love to us through Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.